Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Becoming Chiron, the key to unlocking healing and personal alchemy. I'm your hostess, Ursula Duffy, and the intro music is a clip by my good friend and soul brother, Cassius Perk of Kind Magma, from his song called Space Cowboy. And as I said in the first episode, I am going to start um, doing this show and let it be as spiritually guided as possible. I set the call out to my guides a couple weeks ago for this next topic and did it before I went to sleep one night. And I woke up in the morning from a very vivid dream about a very specific topic. So I'm going to kind of break this down into a multi-part series. I think it's going to be three. And this is going to be the story of my exit from the corporate world, figuring out my true calling in this lifetime. And a big part of that has also been a healing journey for me. So that's definitely how it's going to relate to my Chiron story. And I think breaking it down will be easier for me to kind of share this. And I'm going to call this series Discovering Your Soul's Calling. So in the beginning of these shows, I think I want to start off with a little check-in on the astro weather. Because I feel like that's important as well as the story unfolds to kind of check in and see where the planets are, what's happening. And obviously that's going to impact each of our individual charts in a very specific way. Today is Sunday, May 15th. We are on the precipice of a total lunar eclipse in Scorpio, which will happen overnight tonight for me about 12, 13 a.m. And that's Eastern time. And we also are in the midst of Mercury retrograde in Gemini, as well as Jupiter just shifting into the sign of Aries until the fall. So if you're feeling a little courageous or more brazen in the last week or so, that's probably the shift that you're feeling. But this has also been a very challenging eclipse season. We have the first one where I recorded the first episode. We had Uranus heavily involved. So that is, you know, the inner rebel, the energy of challenging the status quo. And this time, with this eclipse, we have Saturn, the taskmaster, the planet of responsibility, the planet of karma, squaring the sun, and in turn, squaring the nodes of the moon as well. So if you're feeling the tension, that's a big deal, and that's part of the reason, because Saturn is squaring the sun and the moon and the nodes of the moon at this time during this eclipse. And <clears throat> squares create tension, but the point of that tension is a call to action. Squares are like a threshold experience. So it's important to learn where it's happening in your chart. And it's also important to know how to harness the energy and get past the tension and turn it into something that you can use and an experience that you can move forward with and learn from it and act upon it. For me, this is an eclipse in my seventh house. This is the sun squaring 
Saturn in my 10th house, which we'll get to <laughs> that experience in another story. So what I said in the first episode is I have Chiron squaring my nodes. So that means, as I said, I have Chiron in the first house. So my nodes are in my 10th and my fourth. So this has been a very interesting experience and story along the way with Saturn going through my 10th, Saturn going over my south node, and these squares in the houses for me that relate to my role in the outside world, which includes career. And the house that relates to home and family, but also for me, I feel one of the more less talked about aspects of the fourth house is authentic self. So I have south in the 10th and north in the fourth. That's a big part of the story for me. So let's get into this a little bit. I think that it's important to go back in time for me a bit to put some history and context to where I was at when I exited the corporate world and why the whole process took several years for me. I did a pretty traditional path, or I guess you could say indoctrinated path to an extent. I went to you know grade school, I went to high school, and then I went to college right after. I grew up in New Jersey, in a town very close to Atlantic City. So I went to college at Rutgers, New Brunswick. I graduated high school when I was 17 and went right to Rutgers the following fall. And when I got to Rutgers, my intention was all through my life, I kind of felt that I really wanted to be a doctor or like a surgeon. I've always been very, very interested in the human body, anatomy and physiology. One of my favorite things to do was dissect things because <laughs> I always wanted to know what was happening beneath the surface. I always loved to see the processes that just kind of make the body work, all of the systems. And I love to know what's going on behind the scenes. And I thought that that's really what I wanted to do. So when I got there, I chose my major as pre-med. And then I started attending my 101 classes, my 100 classes, and there were hundreds and hundreds of students. And I started realizing what was happening as they were really trying to just weed people out. And that didn't sit well with me. Um, I found it to be a very um, mean <laughs> process. I mean, I get it, I get why they do it, but for me, it just went against everything and it wasn't a fun experience at all. So mid freshman year, I believe second semester, I ended up changing my major to in environmental and business economics. So economics just made sense to me. It's a system of balance. So that makes, I'm a Libra son. So it's sort of just kind of naturally I fell into it and I liked it. I enjoyed it. I had fun in my classes. I loved all my coursework. I had a minor in natural resource economics. I've always been very interested in conservation and, you know, the environment and their impact and ecology and all of those things. So this was a better fit for me. So I went through, I worked my ass off. I worked really, really hard in college. The last three years, I think I got straight A's pretty much 
every semester. And it wasn't until my senior year that I really discovered something that I was very, very, very intrigued by and interested in. And that was what's called Geographic Information Systems or GIS. So I found this, I think my first semester, my senior year. And I was just like, wow, this is so cool. And I just really got into the whole idea of the layering and making maps and the cartography. And it was just so cool how you could do like these operations with the geographic layers and all the things. So I graduated, I graduated in the spring of 2002. And I did not really feel what most people did with the degree was what I was my, what was my calling, I guess you could say. A lot of people went into finance and that kind of thing, and I just really wasn't into it. So I came home, and I continued on at a local college, Stockton, and I got a certificate in GIS. So that took me an extra couple of years. At that time, I had been working in a veterinary office, and I was still working there when I graduated and continued on while I was studying GIS at the local school. So I got my certificate and entered the field through an internship in the winter, like fall winter of 2004. And I got my first job in uh, my G the GIS field in, I think it was the summer of 2005. And it was in an office. I, I left the veterinary job for this, for what I thought was gonna be my career. And it was a typical, you know, your 40 hour week, typical corporate job. And I was there for several years. And then the whole housing crisis hit. It was an engineering company. And the whole housing crisis hit in 2008. And I ended up getting laid off in August of 2008. So I was on unemployment for about a month, month and a half. And I found another job at another engineering company. And I was there for a little over a year. It was very far away and I just wasn't really happy there. So I found another job that was local and much more stable as a contractor for the federal government. And I went into that position in the fall of 2009 and I was there until August 13th. It just happened to be my last day was Friday the 13th of 2021. So it's been pretty recent. Um, it's been nine months, and I'll share a funny story at the end of the episode about something that typically happens with retrogrades that I just got a real kick out of that just happened on Friday, because this was another Friday the 13th this past Friday. So I'm chugging along in this job. I join, and there's a team of two men that, that were already there for many, many years. So I'm the third now. The team is growing, you know, their work is expanding, and all the things so they needed to add more people to the team so i got there and i you know like i said in college i worked my butt off so it, that translates to my job as well and i'm doing all the things that you're told to do you know applying yourself learning things continuing education climbing the corporate ladder quote unquote and i was happy there i was doing really well there wasn't really much opportunity for upward mobility, but that didn't really matter to me at that point. I was just happy to be somewhere that I liked and that they seemed to like me and I was doing well. 
So, and it was secure. It was a very secure for the most part position. So I'm there, I'm there, I'm there for years and years and years. And we'll get to this story in another episode, a different topic under the same umbrella. But this was also where my, where I was working when my spiritual reawakening happened. And that all kind of started in 2015. And that was more intuitive development, learning how to work with my intuition, work with my chakras, as I talked about in the first episode, and connect with spirit on my own and learn how to recognize synchronicities and signs. I went to uh, psychic school for a month when this all kind of started. And I started practicing readings and that kind of thing. And it was just really something I was kind of doing in my spare time. I would listen to podcasts while I was working and things like that. And it was just fun. And I was just having a really awesome time with the awakening, but I wasn't really feeling like it was something that I was called to do as a job or a quote unquote, you know, career change or something like that. So that all kind of happened. I was also studying aromatherapy during that time on the side while I was working and getting really, really interested in that healing modality. So this is all kind of happening concurrently. And then 2017 came around and I'll get more into this in more detail as well in another episode. And that's when astrology came back to me. It was the great American eclipse that happened in August of 2017. And that was like a ton of bricks. That was when I first had, I had first had my first astrology reading. I first looked at my chart and really realized that, yeah, I was kind of living out a version of my chart, having Aquarius in the 10th house doing something with the sciences, you know, geographic, geographic or geospatial science definitely relates, I think, to Aquarian themes. But I felt like once astrology came in, it was a game changer for me. And this just felt more close to what I was really supposed to be doing with my life. And it was more heart-centered for me. It really, really, really lit me up. And I felt like a natural at it. And I decided and we'll talk about this in more detail, all the crazy synchronicities that happened, but I decided to study professionally. So I enrolled in an apprenticeship and that started in the winter of 2018. And as I got deeper and deeper into that, it was extremely intense. It was many, many, many hours a week on top of working full time. But as I got deeper and deeper into my studies and further along in the apprenticeship and started doing readings, I really felt like this was the thing. This was my true calling. And this was my nodal story. This was it for me. And it was a very difficult and challenging process to go through learning this, knowing this, resonating with this, feeling this so deeply in my bones that I knew that I had to figure out a way to get out of the corporate world. And there was many, many, many ups and downs and highs and lows and lots and lots of deconditioning that I went through in this process. 
There was also during that time in 2018, a Mars retrograde in Aquarius, which is my 10th house, as I've mentioned. So Mars energy really gives you a calling into your warrior spirit and it separates, Mars energy separates. So Mars going over my south node was part of this process. So really accepting this and integrating this and being okay with the idea of not doing the GIS career anymore and figuring out a way to get myself out of it was a big part of that process, especially that Mars retrograde. So I continued to show up every day, knowing in my heart that this was no longer the thing. And it was, it got more and more difficult, especially as I just, you know, fell further and deeper in love with astrology and working with people and kind of integrating all of the other things that I was studying up until that point. Um, my intuitive development and my aromatherapy studies all came in. It was like astrology was the missing piece of the puzzle that made everything click. So, of course, if you can imagine showing up somewhere every day, knowing that in your heart it wasn't truly what you were supposed to be doing with your life, it was challenging. And there was definitely a bleed through some days and some weeks and some months at times in my disposition, my attitude, things like that. So there were some challenges along the way. People noticed, you know, the shift in me a bit. And it wasn't until, I think it was December or the fall of 2018 and early 2019, when I really started putting a plan into place. So I worked really hard at budgeting and finances and figuring out ways to pay off debt and how I could make this work. So I started Ursa Alchemy in early 2019. So I was, I was doing my business as, as a side hustle, I guess you could say, um, while I was still working my full-time job. I started working with clients and the plans continued. I just spent so much time, effort, and energy figuring how to get out of it. So it came to 2020, as we all know, what happened. <laughs> and I think that was a big blessing in disguise because of what was going on. We all got sent home to, tel to telework. So I was able to get myself out of at least the office environment that was very difficult. It was like cubicle land. If anyone out there listening works in an office or in a cubicle or for the government or anything, I'm sure that you can share in some of my experiences as far as having people around you all day long that are rude, <laughs> that don't know how to work with people. At this point, the team had grown to six or seven people and every person along the way, since I was, you know, the third one that came on in 2009, I took them under my wing, I trained them, I integrated them. That was part of my responsibility was to get everything, everyone acclimated. And if there was anybody brand new to teach them the ropes and teaching became a big part of my job and training other people as well. So 
2020 came, we got sent home and I really got to sit with being out of that environment and that whole situation. I'm sure most people can relate if you had the same experience being sent home. We all had a chance to kind of press pause and to really hone in on being in our own energy and what we're doing, what we were doing in our jobs with our lives. Like, was it, is it, was it, is it the right thing? And that was really the, the, the hitting the nail on the head was when I got out of the physical environment. So I continued with my plans. My husband and I moved to make our cost of living lower. There was a lot of effort in making this happen. So, and I was told all along the way by people, because it's a, it's an arduous thing. It's, you know, how do I get myself out of this job? How do I get myself out of this career? How do I go against what I've spent so many years of my life doing? And everyone kind of told me that I would know when the time was right. And they were all right. I didn't, I didn't believe it at the time, but they were all right. And it came to... July of last year when I really knew that it was time, even though I was energetically ready well, well, well before then. So I put in my notice, which was incredibly difficult to do. At this point, I'd been there over 11 years, but I did it. I wrote the letter and I did it. <laughs> and I ended up staying on for three weeks rather than the standard two. And my last day, like I said, was Friday the 13th in August, and that was it. And if you work in the corporate world, if you are somebody who feels like, I'm just going to say this because I think it's important. If you feel like if you're working in a corporate world where you're in a corporation with thousands of employees... I'm just going to say that they don't care about you. It might be somewhere that you work that's a little bit different. And I'm, you know, good, good for you if it is a situation like that and you do feel cared for. But upon my exit, I really learned the truth. And especially from some of the people that I worked with, that I had been working with the entire time that were there, you know, all along the way, the whole time. Some of them didn't even bother to send me as much as an email as a good luck. Like not even as don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. And it was a real eye-opener as far as corporate life in general. And it just, at this point, out of the situation, felt like the whole time I was just kind of a cog in the wheel that was just, you know, part of their money-making machine. And... I did learn along the way that the amount that I was paid and the amount that they charged for my services was drastically different and um, kind of gross when I, when I really learned the details of all that. So if that, if anyone is in the same position, if that helps motivate you to get out, if you can get out, um, that, you know, could be something that could be factored into your decision. And it's been nine months as of Friday, and all of the people that 
I served there as, you know, to the best of my ability for all of those years, all the people that I trained and that I took under my wing and built these work relationships with. I mean, you spend a lot of time with these people. 40 hours a week is a lot of your life in an office with these people. I have not heard from one person that I worked with. So let that settle in as well. And I'm not angry about it. It's just revealing and helps me realize and know that I know that I was honoring my soul's calling and it's motivation and reassurance that I made the right decision. The funny story that I wanted to share too with Mercury Retrograde is on Friday the 13th, it just so happens that for some reason I'm still on the emergency notification list for where I used to work. And I got five voicemails, calls, several emails, and many, many text messages from where I used to work with, with an, an emergency broadcast. So that's just another funny, just remember, you know, your decision, remember why you left, reassurance as to, um, you know, why you're not there anymore. Um, it was just hilarious that it happened during the Mercury retrograde. These things happen during Mercury retrogrades. Things like friends can come back into your life or you can get reminders of situations that you can revisit to help you integrate more of the experience or why you left or things like that. So I just thought that was hilarious and a nice Mercury trick and joke as to the timing and it being just on the next Friday the 13th. When we're talking about Mercury retrogrades, we're also quote unquote burning off the experiences from the last one where the Mercury cycle started. Mercury cycles begin during the retrograde when Mercury is in the heart of the sun with the same degree. So the last Mercury retrograde that happened in Aquarius was in my 10th house. So this one's now in my second, and it's just interesting that that came up during this one uh, while we're in the part of the cycle where we're kind of burning off the last one. So I just thought that was an interesting tidbit and wanted to share that story because it really amused me and I found it profound and as always in perfect divine timing. So I thought that that was a really important story to share and the way that it relates to Chiron in my chart in a very particular way is I had a past life regression done at one point. It was a hypnosis. And I remembered a lifetime where I did sort of a similar thing. And I was outspoken and in some kind of situation where I was exiled for being an astrologer or a quote-unquote witch or something like that. I'm sure a lot of people that have gone down this intuitive path know that they've had past lives where there was witch hunts. <laughs> and part of the healing process for me was returning home to myself and being okay with that and honoring it and severing and cutting the ties to things that were out of alignment for me. And the big one, the biggest one 
was the corporate job. So that's the first part of the story that I wanted to share. If you are in a similar situation or have done a grand exit from the corporate world, congratulations. I feel you, I see you. If you wanna share with me, I would love to hear from you, especially how it relates to your Chiron placement. I find it very interesting how these things kind of all click into place in the perfect divine time. This was also, I'll share more details about this as well, but this is really important. This has been part of my quote unquote midlife transits, which happened to everybody from the age 38 to like 42. So this really, really, the pressure was on for me when my uh, Uranus opposition kind of started because when Uranus moved into Taurus in May of 2018, Uranus moved into my first house, as I mentioned in the first episode on the Taurus rising. So this has been, and Uranus hasn't even opposed itself yet for me. It's only at 14, 15 right now, and my Uranus is like 20 something of Scorpio. So this has been pressure on to be who I am and rebel a little bit against the indoctrination and it's kind of been, I call a early onset midlife crisis. <laughs> so it's also part of my Pluto square, Neptune square, all of the things that happen. And then the whole astrology coming back in was a huge part of my nodal return when I turned 38. So I think I'll get more into detail as far as the specifics of the Pluto square, the specifics of the Neptune square, house to house and those things and how that relates and intertwines. There's a lot of intertwining parts of this story. So I just wanted to touch on the corporate exit first, as that was the dream that came to me when I put out the call, as I mentioned in the beginning. And if you're listening, if you're tuning in, like I said, I'd love to hear from you. And if you have a similar story, or if you want to share anything with me that I can share with the audience at some point about your Chiron placement, your own healing journey with exiting the corporate world or anything that you want to share, I'd love to hear from you. It's ursaalchemy at gmail.com. My website is ursaalchemy.com. And I'm also on seagoddesshealingarts.com. And I just want to say thank you for your time and thank you for listening. And we will talk next time. And I think I'm going to sign off every show now with Be a Maverick because Chiron was a maverick and we're dealing with that maverick energy. So I think that'll be the sign off. So thank you for listening and Be a Maverick.